Well, good morning and welcome back to the last week in our series, Above the Line. And as we've said every week, the whole reason we've done this series is because you have, I have, we've all had those moments where we said that thing, we did that thing, our emotions got the better of us and something came out of us before we could stop it. It was like our filter was temporarily broken and he said or she said, and before we could stop ourselves, we had said, and just like we couldn't unsay it, they couldn't unhear hear it and we walked away feeling so embarrassed and humiliated because we couldn't believe that came out of us and there have been those moments where we became that person or those parents that we said that we'd never be and it just leaves us asking the question like where did that come from and our tendency is always to blame our circumstances or our emotions like if you had never or if they had never or if you hadn't made me so angry then I never would have and our response to that is in order to change that from coming out of us our response is to build better filters. We make firmer resolutions that I'll never do that again. And we work on suppressing our emotions that tend to get the better of us. So we filter and we suppress. And what we've all recognized is that doesn't work. And it doesn't work because it hasn't worked. The filters continue to break down and the emotions continue to come up. And what we ended up asking was, how do we really change? And what we found out was what Jesus said 2,000 years ago, is that the reason those things come out of us, the reason we said that thing or did that thing or our emotions got the better of us, the reason that came out of us isn't because our boss is a jerk or our kids were disrespectful, but it came out of us because it was in us to begin with. That the things that come out of us come from our heart, that they're the result of our internal condition. And that the wellspring of life is our heart. Our heart is the wellspring of life. And our entire lives flow from our internal internal condition, that how we experience our lives is the result of our internal condition and how we engage in our lives is the result of our internal condition, how we show up and our relationships and our trials and our struggles and our marriages is the result of our internal condition. And so if we want to learn to manage the things that are coming out of us so that they don't manage us, we have to learn how to manage our internal condition. And that kind of change starts, that kind of change starts with knowing the condition of our hearts. It would, it sometimes says that on there. (laughs) Real change starts with knowing the condition of our hearts. And what we found out was that's not as daunting or as difficult as we might think that it is, that Jesus indicated that it's simple, that if we want to know our internal condition, it's binary, that our internal condition or our hearts are either healthy or they're unhealthy. Thank you so much, Miss Kelly. I appreciate you. And the way that we've been saying this all along is that at any moment in time, we are either above or below the line. That when we're below the line, what Jesus would call an unhealthy heart, that when we're below the line, because we've all been there and we know what this feels like, we tend to be closed. We tend to be more defensive. We have our guard up and we're more likely to self-protect. We tend to be more reactive. And all of us could put our hand up and say, been there, done that. Because internally, what we all know is we feel this sense of tension that comes from the recognition of something around us, whether we're aware of it or not, something around us that feels like a threat. And what we recognize is that at the bottom of that, whatever you want to call that, stress or tension or reactivity, whatever name you have for that, what we recognize was behind that is fear. We're in a state of fear. 
And Jesus has come and has invited us to change that internal condition because it's this internal condition that causes those things to come out of us to shift that and experience life from above the line or a healthy heart. And above the line is when we tend to feel more open and compassionate, compassionate towards ourselves and compassionate towards other people that we tend to be more curious instead of being reactive or more interested in where other people are coming from and what's happening in our environment. We're more curious because internally, instead of tension, we feel a state of peace because we recognize that our environment and the world around us is safe. We recognize that there is a good God who loves us, who is in control and has our very best in mind. And when we recognize that that is reality, we live from a love-governed state instead of a fear-governed state. Well, that's a lot of lines on that E. We live in a love-governed state. And it's when we're in this state, when this is our internal condition, this is where life change happens. This is where human growth comes from. This is where we move towards our potential. Because it's when we're in this state that the parts of our brain that are responsible for those things are most activated. When we're more able to be compassionate and curious and generous, and we can set goals for ourselves and move towards those goals, all that comes from an internal state where we feel safe and we feel loved. And so the question we asked next was, well, how do we get that? You know, when we find ourselves down here, how do we get from here to here? And what we recognized, first of all, is that if you have things going on in your life, if you're in this condition and you recognize that there are things going on in your life, that you have habits or you have behaviors or you have a relationship that you know you have no business being involved in, then the reason you're in this condition is because your conscience is trying to get your attention. That God has designed your conscience as an internal alarm system that's going off as long as you're doing those things, trying to get your attention to say, hey, stop doing that because you're going to eventually hurt yourself and you're going to hurt people around you. So until you stop that, you're not going to move from here. But for once you have stopped that, and once you're ready to move on, then what we found out was that our internal condition is the result of how we see reality. That when we see reality as it is, when we see reality as it is, we experience life the way that we were intended to or designed to. When we have a clear understanding of reality, when we see God as he is, when we see other people as they are, as God designed them, when we see the world that God created and what life is about, when we see reality clearly, we experience life the way that we were intended to. And so that's why we read the Bible and we come to church is so that we can come to know what reality is actually like, who God is, who he created us to be, and how life is meant to work. That's why we do all this. And what we recognize is that there are a lot of us who are doing that, and we're coming to a clear understanding of all those things, and we're learning about what reality is like, and we get this, and we know this, and we can get all of these questions right on a test. But so often, even though we know this, we still experience this. And so how do we, why is that, that, that we so often know this, but experience this down here? What we learned was that the reason for that, the reason there's often a disconnect between here and here is because between here and here is how we think moment to moment. 
that in our moment-to-moment, day-to-day lives, as we experience our circumstances and relationships and frustrations, that how we think doesn't always match up with what we know is true about reality. And more often than not, when we have a below-the-line condition, it's the result of an inaccurate thought that our thoughts or the way that we're thinking or the stories we tell ourselves or the narratives that we're telling ourselves, the way that we're thinking isn't matching up with what we know is true about reality. And so we say it like this, when you're in a below the line condition, often it's because of an inaccurate cognition, which is just a fancy psychological term that we use just because it rhymes so nicely, all right? So that often when we find ourselves sinking, the goal is to trace it back to what we're Thinking, because that's the reason, that's the root of it, that's the cause of it. Paul said to renew your mind, change your mind. You change your mind, you change your life. And so our goal is not just to learn the facts about life, but to apply that and allow what we know is true about reality to govern the way that we are thinking and seeing our lives moment to moment. And we said that the way that we're going to do that is we're going to imagine our lives as a ship. And when our ship begins to sink, as it does, And we know that. And when it begins to sink, it sends off a flare. And, you know, it sends off a flare and it shows up as defensiveness and reactivity and tension and all those things. When we we start to see those flares going off, our goal is to trace them back to their source. And the source, when we're sinking, the source is always what we're thinking. And we're going to recognize there's something inaccurate in the story that I'm telling myself. And how do I replace that with what I know to be true? And so far, we've recognized a couple inaccurate thoughts that we tend to have in our day-to-day lives that we need to learn how to correct. And the one was, the first one was when we believe that our acceptance is on the line. When we believe that acceptance is something that we have to live for. That acceptance is something that we have to earn. There's some kind of standard that we have to live up to, to prove our value. But that Jesus invites us to live from acceptance. To recognize that we are unconditionally loved and accepted by him just as we are. And then we talked about when what I want is on the line, is what we talked about last week. And so often, what I want is something from others, that someone has done something to me or taken something from me or cost me something, and I feel like they owe me. But that Jesus came to show us what real love looks like, that real love cancels the debt that we feel like we are owed, that we would no longer want from others, but that we would want for others, that we would stop asking for what we feel like other people owe us and start asking, what can I do to serve you and move you towards your potential? And as we start to think this way in our moment-to-moment lives, in our day-to-day situations, as we start to think this way, it starts to change our internal condition. We're going to talk about one more today that I think is a big one for a lot of us. What we're going to talk about today is when my Happy life is on the line. My happy life, you know, the life that you worked for, that you were looking forward to, that you planned for, that you saved for, that you sacrificed for, that happy life that you were just kind of chugging along and enjoying, that happy life that you thought you were going to have in this season of life, when that happy life is being threatened or feels like it's on the line. 
And when this happens, the reason it happens, the reason we feel like our happy life is on the line is because so often when we're going along and, and enjoying our happy life, eventually life happens. And life happens on all kinds of levels. You know, life happens when work ramps up and deadlines get short. Life happens when your car breaks down or your HVAC quits or your teenager, you have a teenager, right? <laughs> Life happens when, that, when you didn't get into that school that you thought you were going to go to. Life happens when that pain that you had ends up to be a big deal medical issue. Life happens when mom has to go back into the hospital or when you find out that you're going to get laid off. Life happens in so many different ways. And it always happens. And when life happens, it threatens my happy life. The life that I worked for and planned for and controlled Four. And when life happens, it makes me feel like I'm starting to lose that control. And here's the, what our brain does. It does this funny thing. When we start to feel like we're losing control because life is happening, our brain, in, in an earnest attempt to be helpful, what our brain does is it wants to tell an explanatory story for why this is happening. Our brain is just wired to make sense of what's going on. And in fact, our brain will reward us for coming up with explanatory stories, even if they're not accurate. And so your brain is like, let's come up with a reason for why this happened. And if you do, I'll give you some dopamine. And we say, all right, let's do it. And your brain says, well, why did this happen? And whose fault is this? And who can we blame? And so we're just, I mean, it's just what our brain does. And so we look for someone or something that we can blame. And so we blame our spouse or we blame our parents or we blame the company or we blame the Democrats or the Republicans or, you know, we blame God or we blame life. And, and the story that comes from that, the story that we start to tell ourselves, the way that we start to think is that life isn't just happening but there now seems to be an intent behind it. That life isn't just happening, but it's happening to me. That I have become a target. And life is now happening to me. The other thing that our brain does in an, an earnest attempt to be helpful is our brain starts reminding us not of all the ways that life has worked out well for us, not of the, all the ways that things are going well and we've had good fortune, and not of all the ways that life has happened to other people, like our neighbors or our friends or coworkers. Our brain doesn't pay attention to any of those statistics. The thing that our brain reminds us of is all the ways that life has happened to us before and all the way that life is happening to us right now, which kind of outside of our control causes us to start to fixate on all the different ways that life happens to us. And we say things like, this would happen, right? When we catch ourselves saying things like, this always happens to me. This, this is exactly what would happen to me. On my day, of course this would happen on my day off. Of course this would happen on my vacation. You know, this is always happening to me because our brain filters out everything that happens to everybody else and only makes apparent the way that life is happening to us. And so we blame and we fixate so often when life is happening to us, so often it's just 
so overwhelming that we're not really always sure what to do. Because if we knew what to do, you know, life wouldn't feel like it was happening to us, you know? We don't always feel like we know what to do, or we can't afford to fix the, or we don't have the time to invest in the, or we can't just quit our jobs in order to take care of, or we just don't even know how to make this decision because we've never been put in the position where we had to make this kind of decision before. And so often we feel like our back's up against the wall and we just have to watch as life happens to us. And so often there's this temptation to just refrain and pull back and disconnect and watch as life happens to us and undermines our happy life. And of course, of course we get angry. Of course we get resentful. Of course we get bitter. You know, and when we see these things happening to us time and time again, and we feel like we are out of options for ways to respond or handle it, of course we get angry. And of course we get upset. And how could anybody, how could anybody expect us to be happy as long as there are things outside of us that are happening to us. That until those things change or until they change or until they stop or until they change their minds, until any of those things changes, how could anybody really truly expect us to be happy? And so we find ourselves here in this place waiting for something outside of us to change. And the result is, the result is that this starts to show up in our lives. It starts to color the way that we experience our lives. And it starts to color the way that we engage in our relationships. And it's gonna start showing up in our marriages and that work and the way that we interact with the people in our lives. It's gonna start undermining us. So what do we do? What do you do when life happens to you? And what I find so fascinating is that Life didn't just start happening within our lifetimes, right? You know, life has been happening ever since there's been life. You know, it's just been different. You know, it, it, maybe it used to be like a Mastodon stepped on your house. Now when life happens, it looks a lot different than that. But life has always been happening. In fact, life was happening to people 2,000 years ago. And people back then were asking the question, what do you do when life happens to you? And fortunately for us, not only were people asking that question, but someone named Paul answered that question. Paul, who had persecuted followers of Jesus before becoming a follower of Jesus after meeting the resurrected Jesus, Paul answers this question for us like he's answered so many of our questions that we've had throughout this series. And a letter that he wrote to a group of followers of Jesus living in a city called Rome. And so in this letter, Paul's writing to them and he brings up the topic of suffering, which they were very familiar with. And so when he mentions suffering, their ears perk up and they lean in to hear the wisdom from Paul that he received from Jesus about what do you do when life happens to you? And I just, the way that Paul says this, it's just so casual and nonchalant. He says it like this. He says, I consider that our present sufferings, they're not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. I mean, the things that you guys are going through, it's just, it's just not even worth comparing to the glory that's gonna be revealed in you. To which we say, excuse me, not worth being compared to. 
I'm sorry. Do you not understand what I am going through? Do you not understand the conflict that I'm having in my relationships right now? Do you not understand that my job is on the line right now? Do you not understand what is happening in my life and with my kids right now? Do you not understand? Where do you get off saying that it's not worth being compared to glory? Like, I don't even know what that means right, to glory, because all that's being revealed to me is that I have a bullseye on me somewhere and I don't know how to get it off. And if you saw how I talked to my kids last night, it was not glorious. <laughs> and so Paul pulls them in, he says, listen, come on. I get it, I get it, but listen. God has a purpose in the pain and he has an intention behind the tension. To which they said, what is it? Paul says this, he says, well, we know, we know. We know what, that life is painful, life's unfair? Yeah, we get that. No, Paul says, no, no, no. We know that in all things, well, what do we mean all things? Like, you mean all things like my medical bills, all things? Paul's like, yeah, all things. You mean all things like my kids failing their class? Yeah, and all things. You mean all things like my parents are getting divorced? Yeah, all things. You mean all things like my house is about to be for? Paul says, all things. Yeah, yeah, and all the things, and all the things. You, I mean, I, Paul couldn't come up with a bigger category to cover all the things, all the things that you are going through, the things that frustrate you and challenge you and disappoint you and your day-to-day, moment-to-moment, lives and all the things God works for the good that in everything that you face in your challenges and your struggles and your difficulties God works for the good God is at work he's not causing your circumstances he's not producing your circumstances, but God is at work not to frustrate, not to punish, not to get back at, but God is at work for the good. The good of what? Paul says, not the good of what? The good of who? For the good of those who love him. That God is at work in all things for the good of those who love him who've seen what God is actually like and having seen what he's actually like, they actually like him. In fact, they actually like him so much that they want to become like him. And here's, here's what I just, it's so hard for me to, to understand that if somebody sees who God has revealed himself to be in the person of Jesus, that when you see the grace and the mercy, and the gentleness, and the kindness, and the self-sacrificial, unconditional love of God and Jesus, why wouldn't you want that to be exactly what God is like? Right? And I, like, when you see that the kind of God that exists is exactly the kind of God that we would want to exist if we could create our own God from scratch. He is the kindest, most loving, most gentle, most merciful version of any God that you could come up with. And it's exactly who God has revealed himself to be, that he loves us desperately and wants nothing but our best and our highest well-being. And Paul's referring to those who've seen God 
in the person of Jesus and love him. And they like him. And they like him so much that they want to become like him. And they align themselves with him and trust and follow him to become like him. And Paul's saying that for them, for them, God will work in the midst of all things for the good. Well, for what good? For those who've been called according to his purpose and all have been called, all, God calls all people to align with him and trust him. But for a purpose, well, what's the purpose, Paul? Well, for those God foreknew that God knew about in advance because he knows all things, those God foreknew and he knew, foreknew everybody and he knew those who had trust him. For those God foreknew, he predestined, he had a destiny, he had a goal, he had a purpose. Well, but what was the purpose? that they would be conformed to the image of his son. That those who trust God through their circumstances would be conformed to the image of Jesus. That he, Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. That God, God is at work in your circumstances. Those of you who have trusted Jesus and aligned yourselves with him and want to follow him, God will work through your circumstances, through your obedience, through your trust. And he will work through your circumstances to shape and mold and form you into the image of Jesus, that God in your circumstances has not forgotten about you. He has not left you. He has not shifted away from you. But in the midst of your circumstances, God wants to work in them. As you trust him and align yourself with him and walk with him through your circumstances, that he will use your circumstances to mold you into, he into the person that he created you to be and call something out of you that will move you towards the life that he created you to live. That our God is the God of our struggles, the God of our pain, the God of our challenges, and the God of our disappointments. And he is inviting us to stop seeing life as something that's happening to us and see life as something that's happening for us, that life isn't happening to me, but it's something that God is desiring to work in, to leverage so that it would happen for me, that it would produce something in me and change something in me to make me into something that without those circumstances, I never could have been before. And when he invites us to make this shift, he invites us to see our lives and our circumstances, that behind all of them is a good, loving, benevolent father who is cheering us on because there's something he's going to grow and develop in us here. And when we recognize that we are walking through our circumstances arm in arm with our heavenly father who loves us, then that perfect love casts out fear. And so many of you, you know this. A lot of you know this. You've heard this. This isn't new to you. But so often, when our circumstances actually come, it's not the way that we always think. So how do we catch ourselves when we're here and replace the thoughts that put us here with the thoughts that elevate us here? 
It's what we've talked about all along. Every week we've said this. When I'm a sinking ship, when I'm that ship and I'm sinking, when I'm a sinking ship, I'm going to pause, trace, and shift. That when I recognize that defensiveness, that reactiveness, that tension, that stress, that underneath all of that, that fear that is taking hold in me, when I recognize that happening, I'm going to pause right in the moment that I realize it. I'm going to pause. I'm going to mark that pause by a deep breath which gets that good, good oxygen to our brain and starts to turn off all the alarms and calm us and starts to allow us to shift and get in touch with that part of our mind that allows us to start thinking more curious, beneficial thoughts. We're going to take that pause marked by a breath, recognize that we are in the presence of our Heavenly Father who loves us unconditionally and accepts us right where we are. And recognize that's where we are we're going to trace our condition back to what we're thinking. We're going to do that by getting curious and asking ourselves the same questions we've asked ourselves so far. We're going to ask ourselves, how am I living for acceptance right now? And if I find myself living for acceptance, am I willing to shift and be accepted just as, as I am in this moment right now? And is there something that I want from someone else in this moment right now? And if there is, to ask myself, am I willing to shift and no longer want something from them, but cancel what I feel like is owed to me and want something for them? Am I willing to accept them just as they are right now? And then last, I'm going to ask myself, how am I seeing life as happening to me in this moment right now? When I say those things like, of course this would happen. Oh, this always happens. Or I can't believe this is happening to me. Any time to me is attached, that should be a flag that goes up in our mind. How am I seeing life as happening to me right now? Then to ask the question, okay, am I willing to shift my thinking right now and ask God to show me how he wants to use this for me? Am I willing to make that shift and look at the exact same struggle, the exact same circumstances, but look at it from a completely different perspective and tell myself a completely different story and ask God, how can you help me to see how you will use this situation for me right now? And when you do, you shift from the back seat of a life that feels like it's happening to you to the driver's seat of a life that God wants to happen for you. And when you're in those situations where you feel like there is nothing that you can do to change it, those situations where you just feel stuck in a holding pattern, that you would get curious and ask, God, show me what it is that you want to grow and develop in me here because so often God will keep us in a certain place with a certain tension, with a certain challenge in our lives because there's something that he desperately wants to grow inside of us in that moment. And he's gonna hold us there until it grows and develops. So how do we recognize those holding patterns? Well, we recognize that God is keeping me here because there's something he's going to grow in me here. This isn't happening to me. This is happening for me as I walk with God through this situation. 
So to engage with God and partner with God for that peace to develop, for that patience to develop, for that generosity or kindness of spirit to develop, to allow that ability to be content in any situation to develop inside of us because it's precious enough to God that he would allow his child to go through suffering to develop it. And in those situations, those situations that seem like they're completely over our head, that they're completely beyond our abilities, that we would step into those situations and recognize there is something that God wants to bring out of me in this situation right now. This is a challenge that I don't know how to solve yet, but it's something that God wants to use to produce something in me that I could become what my life and my circumstances are calling out of me, that I would stop blaming and fixating and refraining, but instead step in and get engaged and take responsibility. Take responsibility for my life, take responsibility for my problems, and take responsibility for the solutions that get those problems solved because it's happening for me. And when you do, when we do, what we find out is that our happy life isn't the result of things that happen to us. Our happy life isn't the result of things working out for us. But our happy life results, your happiness, the happiness that you are looking for and searching for and waiting for is the result of getting engaged with the life that you recognize is happening for you in partnership with a God who loves you. Two last things. One is this. I know that there are people who are going through some of the most difficult seasons that life can give out. And here's what I know from watching person after person go through some of the biggest struggles a person can have. As I've watched people go through those seasons that have left me wondering, how can a human being stand up under that pressure? How can a human being experience that kind of disappointment and come out okay? And time after time, I see people walk through those seasons in partnership and in trust with God. And time after time, they come out on the other side, if you can even say that there's another side. They come out, they're never thankful for, they would never ask for, and they would never wish what they went through upon anybody. But they walk away with a deeper understanding of and a greater intimacy with and a greater confidence in God than most people will ever experience that has brought them to a completely different place, a place that I only know in theory. But it's the result of our heavenly father promising us that whatever the circumstances, he will work good in it. I want to say too that loss, that pain, that sadness and grief can happen above the line and allow that to happen. God intends for it. But know that as you walk through it, what God is inviting you into is just a close intimacy with him through that season. And the last thing I want to say is that if you are in a domestic violence situation, that is not something that is happening for you. That God loves you tremendously. And he doesn't want you in that kind of relationship. And I would encourage you to get in touch 
with an organization like Hartley House here locally that has counselors and people that are willing to encourage you and coach you and counsel you to help you get out of that relationship. And for the rest of us, our homework will continue to be to recognize at any point in time, are we above or below the line? And when we find ourselves below the line, to be willing to trace it back to how we're thinking and recognize and adjust my thoughts so that I can accept and allow myself to be accepted just as I am. Not I would accept others just as they are. Not I would learn to accept my circumstances because they are happening for me. And every time you do that, every time you do that, you're changing your mind. And every time you change your mind, you change your heart. And change starts with the condition of our hearts. Will you guys pray with me? Father, I thank you so much for the love that you have for us and the love that you want to communicate into us in the midst of our circumstances that we would recognize that beyond, behind all of the challenges and difficulties and struggles that we have a good and loving heavenly Father who promises who promises to work all things together for our good. Father, we pray that you would help us as we renew our minds and change our hearts to become the people you created us to be and to experience the life that you created us to live. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.